ಮಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲ
or seven months because I from what the news I got from Hanuman, uh, Sita will be killed in a in a few days almost, right? So he did the ceremony in, immediately at the time, and so within the Durga Puja tradition, the first ceremony that's done, it could be done like it's done like at um, like sunrise on on Shasti, I think, on the sixth day of the in a few days, you know, earlier in the morning, the ceremony is done. Uh, particular auspicious times called akal bodhan uh, means waking up at the wrong time when you wake somebody when they're deep asleep you say like, they're gonna they're gonna wake up wake up gotta go to work it's like no i don't you know like i'm just i just fell asleep or the kid's waking you up you know <laughs> you're never at the right time <laughs> you know so it's like and so part of the ceremony is to wake her up out of season now as i say so they say oh this navaratri was founded by lord ram Originally, Ram Ratri was in spring, but since the time of Lord Ram. So it's a fairly recent thing. By recent, we mean <laughs> Treta Yuga. So it's always a funny thing because, and also, historically, you know, by, by if you, anthropologically and historically, there's, the earliest reference to Navaratri is the fall Navaratri, not the spring Navaratri. But part of the fall Navaratri became the story that it's not the original Navaratri. That it's, maybe it's an ancient memory of an, of an ancient time, an older ceremony, older, or a reference to people worshiping the goddess when spring happens when she seems to awaken right but it's part of the part of the thing so this is not the original Navaratri it's the second Navaratri uh, and so there's actually, there's actually four Navaratris in a year right this is, the, this is the most famous one there's the Vashant Navaratri in spring then there's one in summer uh, and one in uh, winter winter is right after Moni Amavasha during the Kumamela that's right after the, the height of the Kumamela it's within there so the, uh, and those they sometimes call Gupta Navaratris. They're hidden. Because most people just don't, they're not hidden necessarily, but they're, most people don't know. Like, this Navaratri is done in a grand scale, right? This week, the next couple of weeks, there'll be pujas and sacrifices and all-night dances and fire sacrifices and, 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 and processions and sadhana. I mean, there's everywhere you go. Uh, um, Dimitri said the other day, what did he say? That he, uh, they, they set up like a, a spreadsheet of all the things happening during Navaratri and figure out where they're going to go to every day. There's something going on every temple. There's so, there's so much going on, right? To figure out how to plan his plan of attack for the 10 days, where they're going to go. I like that spreadsheet of everything. <laughs> Apparently, we're not in it today. You know? <laughs> we didn't make it. Something else going on today. Too. They were here yesterday. So, it's a, it's a, it's a, so this is not Gupta. It's very much awake, right? And so then we, we, every year we, we think that, you know, that, for thousands of years, a couple thousand years, actually four thousand years in the in the in the Western tradition, not that Western Western-ish tradition, and you know the the goddess tradition has been uh, neglected or attacked, right? It's been outlawed in many traditions. It's been people uh, goddess temples have been destroyed, goddess images have been destroyed, have been and are being destroyed, but since so long. Um, with a, a new versions of religion that had no place or little place or threatened by the, the, the preceding goddess traditions. It seems that we have to be real careful when you're making statements about prehistory because they're by nature prehistory. We can only say seems to be, there's evidence for that the earliest awakenings of religious consciousness was goddess-oriented. So the earliest, the earliest images, religious images, are figurines of, 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 of a female figurine that were considered to have a religious cultic meaning and so it goes this goes way way back right and but now it seems like or not in our little circle but in many people's circles this would be weird that people worship being a goddess or the mother god or mother goddesses and things like that but 
every time, every year at the end of Navaratri, when and when it was all finished, we're 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 very much appreciative that she hasn't been fully forgotten. Millions. I mean, there's how many Hindus are there? There's over a billion, right? There's over a billion Hindus, I think. You know, I had the just recently I spoke to a group and I mentioned the number and I already forgot it, but it was my very deep Wikipedia scholarship so it wasn't the deep <laughs> wasn't the, yeah, I probably should tell how many Hindus there are you know so I remember the num- three days ago I knew them four days ago I knew the number you know <laughs> but it's over a billion Hindus and most of those Hindus are celebrating Navaratri even if they're not goddess worshippers or goddess devotees this is a season of the goddess so it's like so independent of everything else these nine days these ten days this is the it's still a, a fraction of the world. It used to be the whole world, <laughs> the whole world. Now it's more people, but less of a, of a, of a percentage. But the, this Navaratri, compared to the other Navaratri, is a great awakening. The, the, the Gupta Navaratris are celebrated by hardcore devotees, tantrikas, and their own sadhana. They increase their fasting and chanting, their esoteric practice, guru-given practices. It's not such a public uh, celebration. So, so yesterday we celebrated Mahalaya Amavasha. Um, and so this this Amavasha is especially dedicated to the ancestors, those who have passed our ancestral roots. And uh, during these two weeks, called um, Shraddha Paksha, uh, from Purnima to the last two weeks up to ending yesterday, uh, according to the date or the titi of somebody who's passed away in your family, that they 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 passed away on on the third day of the moon cycle, whatever year whatever month it was in right you 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 uh you feed them and do ceremonies for their benefit and their blessings and their benefit uh on on the on the usually on the day whatever the day of the year whatever the day of the month the end the one year anniversary but then you also do the anniversary during these two weeks it says i mentioned yesterday that the ancestral realms and the earthly realms are near each other this is a time where they're believed to be close and so people we do uh, so and then on Amavasha Mahalai Amavasha it says that if if you don't remember the dates if you don't like what like like I don't like I mean I could probably figure it out I can probably you know take me a little bit on you know a good a good online punch and gum to find out when my grandmother died find a date and then find out the titi and to celebrate that day or my mother died or something you can find dates like that but there's many people we don't we don't remember and we don't celebrate. But on Mahalai Amavasha, you can pray for all the ancestors, mm-hmm. and it said that they line up. I mentioned yesterday they line up in rows to accept our food like a bandara, right? So we invoke them and we we also we offer pindas and prasadam from Mahapuja for their benefit. So it's interesting that I, I think it's interesting that part of Kali part of Durga Puja part of the Navaratri is intense cleaning, right? We spent we spent a month cleaning. Uh, the outside of the house gets washed, the walls get washed, mm-hmm. books get taken off the shelves and cleaned and put back. Mm-hmm. You know, every piece of brass gets polished. Of course, we we clean the house every month to prepare. About a, about ten days before Amavasha, we start cleaning, so we're on a constant cycle, week daily, weekly, and a monthly cleaning. But then there's a yearly where we we um, shampoo the rugs, we clean out the fireplace. I mean, we do a, a deeper cleaning. Because you're invoking, of course, Ma lives here. But part of the mood of Durga Puja is that you're invoking, you're inviting Ma to your house. And if your earthly mother comes to your house, you probably start cleaning a few, a few weeks. And if it's like, oh my, my mom's coming, you got to start cleaning. You know, when you're an adult and you have your own house, you have to clean. So you have to prepare for her. Any important person. And the mood of Durga Puja Navarachi is that your Ma, the daughter of the house, your mother, and also your daughter is coming to your house, right? So you, you clear and prepare. 
And I think there's a correspondence in our sadhana that we have to, before you invoke shakti, you have to purify the environment. We sometimes think that before, like, it hasn't rained, started raining yet, but we, it's most likely to be a rainy, they believe it's going to be a rainy year this year, which is God's grace, we're getting some rain. But we're in danger when there's rain. We live, we live by a, a creek that floods. We live in a river, not on the bank of the river I mentioned a few weeks ago. We, we live in a river, you know. <laughs> so sometimes it floods when it, when, it, when it rains well. But we have to prepare. We start preparing ahead of time, knowing that the rain's coming. We start cleaning. We, we, even the, the, we do it, and then the city also double-checks that there's no obstructions in the river, there's no garbage in the river, there's no branches blocking, because there's going to be a lot of power going through. So you have to clean, you have to prepare for that amount. The, the millions of gallons of water that will pass daily through the river, through our little creek here, it, it's dangerous, right? It's life-giving, and it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen every year, but it's dangerous, right? You have to prepare for it. So the cleaning is also part of that. When you invoke Shakti, you have to create a safe, a clear environment. So we have to clean, therefore people do all kinds of practices to, your external world should be clean and, and, and your internal world has to be cleared and cleaned, right? Uh, just like you think of like before Kundalini awakens, you use a similar yogic interpretation of the same thing. The chakras have to be purified, the nadis have to be purified, right? The nervous system and consciousness has to be strong enough and balanced enough to withhold such awakening without, you know, otherwise... It's going to, you know, the, um, you know, if too much water comes and we're prepared, it's going to damage the bank. You know, it's, it can, so much damage can happen. So it can happen to our own psyche and system also. And I think that part of the purification process is the uh, two weeks and Mahalaya preceding for the ancestors. And we have to make, I don't think we can ever make peace with our ancestors, <laughs> you know, but at least we have to do, we have to wish, we have to ask blessings and wish them well. That that seems to be the minimum because we are they are they they've given us this body and our life, right? And so we have to and 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 then our immediate parents and like that they've literally taught us how to hold a fork and go to the bathroom and everything you know without without them we couldn't we wouldn't like that. Uh, so they're everything we all our every all of our ability all of our good qualities come from them, right? In our culture our language, you know we didn't invent our language. You know, uh, uh, we learn a language that with their, 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 everything is passed on, culture, practice, behavior, uh, psychology, everything is passed on. But because of that, we can also, like all of our struggles can also be also sometimes pointed, <laughs> right? So it's not always just like, oh, it's just, we just wish, but minimally, whatever, whether we have a good relationship or a bad relationship, the relationship we should have is that of ask, giving blessings and asking blessings. We should be well-wishers and asking for well-wishing. So I think Mahalaya is part of that. It's kind of um, uh, uh, clearing some of the past or making peace to the past or, or making getting blessings from the past so that this new dynamic practices of, of Navaratri can happen. So as I mentioned, today is Amavasha. Uh, some in India today would be actually tomorrow. Officially, the Navaratri starts tomorrow. Right, and there's the problem is that Navaratri lasts. Is, although it's nine nights, it's actually only eight nights long, because there is no dvitiya. Today's tomorrow is Pratima, the first day, and then tomorrow is Tritya, and the third day that so we skip. So the second day is there, but it's in it's in between. It doesn't get its own day, and so if those who are worship who are doing like worshiping the Navadurgas, it's a common thing to chant. We we amongst our group we chant mantras of Navadurgas. Um, you could start today, but today is really not Navaratri. So if you start tomorrow, just you're supposed to double up, 
did, that we do Shadiputri and then Brahmacharini both both tomorrow. Or if you want to split it, you can do uh, Shadiputri today and, and, and Brahmachari tomorrow. Right. And in India, it starts tomorrow, but it gets its full it gets its full nine days, but it also starts tomorrow. So anyway, that's a, that's a weird calendar thing that's happening. Happening this this time. And then so and then and then uh, and so Navaratri practices so many different ways. Uh, through every community in India, they celebrate it differently. Of course, our tradition is heavily we're a Bengali tradition, so Durga Puja is, becomes a central thing, and Durga Puja is worship, is celebrated in the last four days. And you'll see Ma will come. A beautiful image of Ma will be here next weekend. And be worshipped. Uh, it's called the Durga Parivar, Durga, and her four children, Lakshmi and Saraswati, Kartikeya, and Ganesha, mm-hmm. and their various cars and vehicles mm-hmm. and mounts. <laughs> right? And it's a very sweet because the mood there is very, very interesting because the goddess, I mean, this, the awesome power of the infinite goddess, the awesome power of nature, of cosmic deities, of Kali and Durga, these are fierce, overwhelming type of deities, right? But Sri Ramakrishna said that in the beginning you see God was ten arms. And you see like, oh, it's the awesome power. Each arm represents a shakti, right? All powerfulness of God. And then that God becomes, he says, the uh, 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 four-armed deity like Vishnu. right? And then he becomes a two-armed like Krishna. And then he becomes a baby, not even a, four, not even a two-armed, he becomes a, a helpless baby. So when that happens, you're, as your love and intimacy increases, the awareness of the awe and reverence decreases. Where you're not seeing God as infinite power, you see it pretty soon, you know, it's like when you're either cowering in front of the awesome power of God or you're praying that awesome power to bless you, right? But when you get to baby Krishna, you're actually huddled over him, not, not bowed before him, right? Are you okay? Does he need anything? He hasn't had his bath. You know, he, hasn't, he hasn't gone to sleep and he's, it's getting too late to sleep, you know? It's completely changing. In one sense, it's ridiculous, but it's not. It's, it's, it's bhava, it's relationship, right? And that allows, loving relationship allows even the infinite to be comprehended and dealt with so much so and so wonderfully and so this is a big part of Durga Puja in the story in the, in the, in the Puranas Ma goes she gets married Parvati gets married and goes off to Kailash with Lord Shiva and the stories the, the uh, 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 Hemavat the Menuka you know the parents they're crying so much I mean they're happy for her but also crying is a the sentiment of the Indian family tradition that you cry when you're because the daughter leaves home and joins the husband's house right uh, and gets, uh, but the husband is not a normal husband. He lives in the mountain. He has no house, right? He has no bed. He has no roof. He has no kitchen, right? You know, he has no clothes, right? You know, it's like, right? And so, and so the mood is like, oh my goodness. So it's like, we were happy that she's happy, but she can't be happy. She was happy. Everyone's happier at home, right? Mother's love is there. Her friends are there, right? Father's affection is there, like that. And so the idea that once a year she comes home. So Durga Puja is her return home, where they uh, uh, and so Shiva on the Shasti is the day when brother brother in laws are worshipped, right? Because the the uh, uh, son in law, sorry, the son in law is worshipped and honored and given his favorite food and things like that. Because Shiva is a son in law, he brings the family, right? Leaves them with the with the grandparents and goes back home. He gets he gets four days off. <laughs> and there's lots of cartoons modern day where it's like, oh, now he's you know. 
him and his friends are smoking ganja and doing all the stuff <laughs> that he's not allowed to do when, when, when the wife's there and the kids around the kids and the, the wife doesn't allow it and the kids it's not proper to do it in front of the kids so there's lots of tradition like that that, that she was having his own fun for a couple of days right uh, without anybody uh, 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 thwarting him and Durga brings with her kids she has a great time right she they have it's four days of parties right I mean, the form of the elaborate pujas but it's food and music and, and fancy dress and and it, uh, so it's very it's a, it's, a, it's a very ancient tribal um, primal uh, ritual if you see here some of you some of them the drums and the sacrifices that go on it's very very ancient and primordial and primal right but it's also uh, loving and social it's a family it's, it's like Christmas and Easter and Fourth of July pulled. I mean, it's all everything mixed in. There's national things. It's all kinds. It's all kinds of things mixed together. It's not. A, it's not a purely. It is purely religious because the secular part of it is part of the is part of the household religion. The daughter's back and the family's together and we're celebrating together. And she's being spoiled and everybody loves her as a daughter. But she's also. But without losing the fact that she's also the cosmic mother. So it's a, a long introduction, but it's good to think about what this this uh, Navarachi is. Um, so that's a Durga Puja and so there's, an, there's another so some people worship the Navadurgas as a way of these nine forms of Durga uh, some worship Durga Puja at the last four days another tradition popular in North India Himalayan tradition is, 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 uh, is, is done in Himalayas also that the first three days are dedicated to Kali and Durga Kali or Kali Durga is one deity the next three days are dedicated to Lakshmi and the last three days are dedicated to Saraswati and a long time ago, as we slowly developed our own, what, what do we do during Navaratri? It started very simple here, you know. We would do fire ceremonies in that way. We'd do three days, Durga Mantra, three days, Lakshmi Mantra, three days, uh, Saraswati Mantra. And that's a very interesting, that's a very, maybe if we talk maybe next weekend, I can maybe go into what the significance of those three. Maybe we'll fit it in, I'm not sure. I even started verse one, what I want to say, so I'm not, I, I'm not looking... We usually used to do this over 10 days, and we're going to do this over two days this time, so I'm going to have to summarize, skip some sections and summarize. Um, and if you're interested, there's several years' recordings of the 10 talks, so you can hear different versions. Roughly the same thing every year, because the ancient scriptures haven't changed. We, we get a little, we get a, a, maybe a new little insight or new way of explaining it, but it's basically the same story, and, and our interpretive scheme to, to understand it, we haven't changed much. But... Um, that's also very interesting. So, so, uh, and then an, an important part of the Navaratri is the recitation of the Chandi, the Devi Mahatmyam, seven hundred verses. Uh, either the chanting of it as a recitation, the performances of it. People make do play do plays of it, the um uh, as musicals and mu- like mu- like musical plays based on it. Um, the reading of it, or or the ex- hearing of it. Or the discussion of it. So that's what we're doing. We're discuss- we're doing the discussion part of it, describe the teaching of it, or describing of the significance of these prayers. And there's a way also the thirteen chapters of the Devi, of the Devi Mahatmyam, the Chandi, can be split over the nine days. There's different ways to do it over a month, to do it in one day, to do it in three days, to do it in nine days, to do it in five. There's different traditional ways of splitting. There's a traditional way of splitting it for the eight days. Um, so the first day would be chapter one, which is a long is a chapter, and the second day would be chapter two and three, right? But because there is no second day, 
right? So on chapter so more, if you if you start tonight, just do it. That's we just do chapter one, so that's you can you can consider it cleared. If you want to recite it, then you would, if you're doing it tomorrow, you do it's a longer reading, the uh, chapter one and, and then the first story, and then chapter two and three, the first few chapters of the second major story. So the Devi, the Devi, and, and so the Chandi is very important. It's it's very interesting. It's Devi Mahatma means the glories of the Devi, the goddess's glories, what are the, the wonderful qualities, the glorification and glories of the, of the of the goddess. And it's from it's a small section. It's seven hundred verses of a much larger text, Markandeya Purana. Um, unfortunately, I, my original I've had the same like like version translation. Uh, with little side notes and things like that, that I've been using for 20 years, um, 15, 18 years. And the first five chapters are missing in my folder. I don't know what happened to them. I, I don't know. I ripped them out for some reason. I don't know, but they're gone. So I'm, I'm, I'm the few, like, like how many verses? I mean, these are little things for, for the sake of this guy, how many verses of Mark and Dale Purana, when it was written, some of the details, they're not fresh in my mind. They used to be fresh in my mind. And they're supposed to be in the margins, scribbled, but they're not. So the way it is. But it's, it's, you know, it's probably you know, forty or fifty thousand verses. It's it's a it's a bigger one. It's a, one of the bigger pranas, if I remember properly, and um, like like the uh, uh, it's not the biggest, but it's it's not a small. I mean, like the Bhagavatam is eighteen thousand verses. That's considered small, and as far as pranas go, they can go much longer, right? It goes over volumes, and Markandeya Purana, It's not exactly. It's a shock. It, I'm think I'm not sure if where it's exactly listed as a Vaishnava, Shaivite, or Shakta. It's probably a Shakta, but it's not really. It's not the major text on Shakti. It's not really like the the quintessential Shakti Purana, uh, Shakta Purana. Like the Devi Bhagavatam would be the quintessential Shakti Purana. That's a classic Shakti Purana, and there's others. <clears throat> but there's a by the way story in the in the, in the in the Markandeya Purana that uh, where just to illustrate a quick point. Right, a point that comes up in another discussion that's not about the goddess. Right, uh, uh, three stories or three traditional ancient goddess myths or uh, stories are told, uh, but they're not even that well told. They're not told very elaborately. They're told very, and they're told with a different purpose than usually, and uh, with an agenda. You know, you tell a story to illustrate the point you're trying to make. Right, and they're told very short and very like not not very elaborately without much much description. But people have found them over the years, like, this is very powerful. I mean, even though it's not the, the most elaborate, most descriptive form of the stories, there seems to be some power in the way it's put together. And so these 700 verses have been pulled out and become extremely popular. Like the Gita, out of 100,000 verses of the Mahabharata, the Gita, 700 verses, the same thing, has become extremely popular. Right? Uh, most of, I have not read the full Mahabharata. I don't think anybody here has read Mahabharata from cover to cover. Right, but I bet you've read the Gita or most of the Gita, some version of the Gita and cover to cover. Right. So like that, the Chandi has become like that. But why is it so powerful? Why has it become so so popular? It seems that maybe it's just such good writing, right? Such great relation that just in a in a in a in a sketch, a whole story can be told in one verse. And that's actually the sign of a, a powerful mantra where tons of information can be done in simplest words. The opposite of my talking. You know, I talk and talk and talk to illustrate a point. People just was a few, was one sentence. It's like such packed, like it's and it's definitely that. But it may be, and based upon that, I think it's even more. It's been considered that there's there's a lot of information literally packed into it, 
right? Not only the story is told in a very con con concise form, minimum way of telling the story, a big story is told, but all kinds of other information is encoded or packed or hidden or in, in, in the verses themselves. So, so it's been not only is a beautiful, simple way to remember the main story, some, some important stories of the goddess, um, but as they're recited, as they're meditated upon, and people think about them, and then through Guru tradition, Guru Parampara, information is given. There's every verse, like every verse, I'll, I'll, I'll say some verse, I'll, I'll read the gen, general translation, or maybe read, trans, uh, chant a few verses from it, right? And you know, a story says something, oh, that's very nice, right? But then you think, but actually those words mean something different, right? Like when it says, oh, the king said, what, does, what word is used for king? Right. Oh, the king means this, but a king means something different. And then the king actually means a person, and a person means anybody who lives in the material world. And therefore, it's now it's a cosmic. Now it's about the human condition, and then, and then you, and then you start turning every every word. Oh, that the the word for the word for uh, ghee is actually hidden for the the mantra hrim, and hrim is poured. Hrim is a real ghee that's poured into the fire. You know, it's like it can get deeper and deeper and deeper, and pretty soon, people have done like kabbalistic like numerology on it. You know, it's like we're Every every sixteenth uh, letter is a particular letter of a, of a particular mantra. It gets it can get it seems to be I don't know we either we're looking for it and finding all kinds of stuff in it, or it's become so popular because there seems to be a lot hidden and packed and compacted in it. Uh, one of the things about Vedic mantras, the Vedas are restricted, right? One has to be in a certain uh, family, certain uh, lineage. Uh, certain education, certain initiations to chant the Vedas, to hear the Vedas or chant the Vedas. But there's no such rule for the Puranas. It said the Puranas are written so that everybody can get the gist of the Vedas for everybody. There's no restrictions. right? So the Chandi, great, no restrictions, right? Seems to be very powerful. But then people began to realize, whoa, this is really powerful. right? And, and by reciting it, there seems to be power. Right? It may be dangerous. Right? Even though it's open, it, you, can, you know, it's theory, you know, Theoretically, the Markham Bank can be read by anybody, right? But people began to people began to just take these seven seven hundred verses and recite them, and they begin to oh, I'll chant this one with certain ceremonies in order to um, to get wealth, or that this one in order to um, uh, make things favorable to me, this one to destroy my enemies, this one to awaken Kundalini. This you know like and, they, and all of a sudden it, be, it realized it was like a tantric a tantric text, a tantric shastra, even though it's not tantra, it, people realize actually maybe it is. Right? And therefore, the ancient rishis, they say they cursed the Kachandi. They gave some restrictions. Right? Uh, uh, and there's, uh, so that anybody without initiation into the Chandi right, will not get its power. Because the power was considered, too, it was considered too powerful. Either for other people to harm, you can do harm to others with this power. Or you can also hurt yourself. If you don't know what you're doing, you, know, you give some licensing requirement before you know. You uh, before you you know get the keys to a car, there should be some minimum restrictions on how you know are you qualified, and old enough, mature enough to drive it, type of thing, right? And so there then there's the whole set of mantras that are supposed to be chanted before the chandi that translate as uh, uh, to remove the curse of Vishishta, Vishamitra, and one other I forget uh, Vishamitra, Vishishta. There's three rishis I'm forgetting, but there's a uh, please remove the the curses from it, so that we we get. And so then it became that, and also hidden within the mantras, there seems to be another mantra. It's called the Navarana mantra. This nine letter has Chamundae Viche, the very famous mantra with the beach mantra. I mean, Klim Chamundae Viche, right? So that's considered. Oh, unless you're initiated into that mantra, one can't chant the Chandi, 
It becomes like that. Of course, everybody can chant the chanjas. No, there's no real like that. But to be considered dangerous, right, or ineffective. In a certain sense, maybe it was perhaps the, you know, a initiatic circle now trying to control something that used to be for everybody. It could be interpreted that also. But I think there's something I've seen. Maybe some people in this room remember. We've seen uh, people burn themselves out on the chandi. You know, we've seen it cause harm to people. People just they can maybe it's just a, a, a mental temperament that nothing to do with the text itself, right? But it's a, a um, it, uh, 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 yeah. So it, there is there's some there's some potential danger to it. But uh, then with devotion, without if you're not trying to use the mantras for some purpose to do something, then there's no danger. If you're trying to do something with something, like a hammer is not dangerous. You try to hit something with it, right? <laughs> right. So if you're trying to the mantras, they're just beautiful. You, they're meditations on the divine mother and revelations of sacred lore and sacred tradition. In that sense, we're describing it openly without any restriction. But these old these mantras have also been found to do something. And before doing something, you should be know what you you should know what you're doing before you do something, right? So we're not we're not presenting that we're not presenting that level. Is it, am I out of time? I don't know. Can't see that. What time is it now? I think it's five. What is it? Four. Okay. My brain. So chapter one. So there's a frame. There's a, there's a there's a frame story. <laughs> there's always a story. Om Sri Durga Ena Mahat starts. Atta Durga, Atta Sri Durga Saptashati. Now the seven hundred verses in praise of Mother Durga, mm-hmm. right? Starts and then um, I won't recite. We're not reciting. Um, it starts. So it, the 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 main the, it, there's an opening story about. Uh, uh, um, about two great demons, Madhu and Kaitaba. There's the first that come out of the ear of Lord Vishnu. There are three stories being told. That's the first story that's told the second part of chapter one. Then the next story is about the killing of another great demon, of, of um, Mahishasuda, the buffalo demon. When Madhurga appears in a few days, she'll be Mahishasuda Madhani killing Mahishasuda. Like we chanted last night, Mahishasuda Madhani Stotam, killer Mahishasuda. Uh, then... And, and, and his associated demons, which are very deeply insignificant. And then the final story, the Charita, is the killing of Shumba, another two demons, Shumba and Nishumba. So Mahishasuda is a very gross demon. He's a, he, he, he can take any form he wants, but he, get, he likes the form of a buffalo. And a buffalo is considered a very low animalistic consciousness. So he likes, he's a, it's the, and so if we were to give um, a, interpretive meaning symbolic representation assignment to these uh, he would you know it's like lust and greed and kind of the cruder aspect of our personality right and that when that takes over it causes an untenable situation the divine mother has to help overcome it the final two deities the the demons Shumba and Nishumba these are very subtle uh, um, uh, demons they have to deal with uh, really principles of wrong identity of ego and where our ego and our self-obsession comes from comes from Shumbas and Nishumba. Nishumba is the opposite of ego in this interpretation. So it's like that emptiness, though, the emptiness we feel that makes us put up a big front. The big back, the empty, big empty back that makes us put up a big front, right? Mm-hmm. The low self-esteem that causes dramatic ego display, right? And so, and so his killing is a very refined stage of spiritual life where we have to not just... So 
Mahishasura represents rajas, right? That animalistic type of passionate type of thing. If you give it this interpretation, and shumba, uh, shumba, nishumba are more sattvic. These are more refined uh, qualities that also have to be overcome. In the first story, Madhu and Kaitva, in, in that structure, he would represent tamas, right? And they come from sleeping. We'll we'll get to this there. I'm just giving a little bit of a bird's eye. Uh, uh, sleeping conscious, uh, the result of, of inertia, of unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, uh, so, these, so the three stories are going to be told to uh, 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 three different ways of, under, of, of, could be interpreted this is the way we interpret it as our interpretive scheme from a medical tradition, uh, yogic, uh, tantric uh, tradition that we come from. We interpret the three, the three as, as, as a sadhana shastra, so the revealing stages of sadhana and the types of things that come up in our sadhana. Right? But the frame story for the whole thing is, again, interesting enough, also going to be three characters. It's like we have three forms of the goddess that kill three groups of demons. The three are going to again appear uh, in the frame story. In the frame story, there is a, 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 a merchant and a king. Thank you. You remember from last year, uh, the merchant and the king, and they go to they have they and they go to and the sage. They go to the sage. So again, these represent. Raja Sattva, the sage represents Sattva, the merchant represents. Um, uh, uh, uh. Anyways, we'll, 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 we'll get there in a second. We'll jump ahead. So, at every every of the three stories, the three sections, the, first, the three charitas, they're presided over by a different deity. Right? The first one is the first story is presided over Mahakali. Right? Kali is the, the, the main de- the deity. Interesting enough, Kali is not mentioned once in this story, right? Her name is does not come up, right? The second story is 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 presided over Lakshmi. Lakshmi is not mentioned in that in that in that uh, Leela at all, and the third is presiding by Mahasaraswati. She's mentioned briefly, but not not really. She's not the presiding deity. Uh, she's a minor uh, associated with one of the matrikas in a certain sense, right? So the stories are so this way of, of, of meditating. The first one is presiding deity is Kali, then Lakshmi and Saraswati. You see that matches the the Navaratri where you do three days Kali puja, three days Lakshmi puja, three days Saraswati puja. That has very deep significance. Uh, um, Swami Chidananda has a book, The Worship of God as Mother. It's talks he gave over nine nights, and he he he's, he deeply goes into. It's one of the few books we sell small book from the Divine Life Society uh, where he's talking about the, the significance of why those three that order of worshipping maybe we'll be able to feed it uh, fold it in and also so it starts with so it's Kali Lakshmi Saraswati but then it starts with so each section starts with the Bij Mantra and so which also is not meant is, is, is not the right Bij Mantra right so it's first one it's, it starts Om Namas Chandikaye Om Aim Markandeya Vacha Right, we bow to Goddess Chandi. That's the main uh, deity here, and then uh, and then it starts with Aim, right? Aim is for Saraswati, not Kali. Then the second one, and so Aim. Then the second one is for Lakshmi, and that's and actually that that one kind of fits. That is um, uh, Hrim, right? And then the third section starts with Om Klim, Devuvacha, whatever the the first mantra start, and their Klim is for Kali. Right, so it's so in the order of meditation is Kali, Lakshmi, Saraswati, but it's given Saraswati, Lakshmi, Kali. Mm-hmm. 
So there's lots of, like I said, these things, there's a lot of things in, shoved in here, a lot of theology and symbology and meaning and te technique and sadhana understanding shoved in. <clears throat> Starts Saraswati Lakshmi Kali, right? And so in the, so Saraswati is the Shakti of Brahma, the creator, right? So at the very beginning, it's the first Vagishwara, Vagishwari, right? So from, from, from the unmanifested to the manifest, it's purest. That is, that's the vibration of Saraswati, purest sound, the pure Om, the pure Vedas, yeah, right? Uh, uh, then it becomes, then we have a manifested world under the care of Lakshmi who sustains the world. And then at the end, everything is destroyed or goes into inertia that is the realm of Shiva and Kali in that way of looking at it, the kind of Trimurti way of looking at it, right? As sadhana, right? So that's, the, that's how creation happens, from the Bindu out, right? From the, from the, from the Bindu where the, actually around the center of Bindu is, you have the, the uh, uh, Bhagavata, the deities of the alphabet, the forms of Saraswati over there at the, very, at the very beginning, and then it goes out, and then finally at the outer edge is the material, the material world of name, form, change like that, from from sattva to ra, to rajas to, from yeah. So it's it's from sattva to rajas to tamas, right? But it's weird because each one part of the, the guna theory, each one contains the other, because Brahma is rajas, but here he's sattva, because it's rajas that creates, but it's at its most sattvic, right? Right, so so, so anyway, this is a, I got into a long conversation with somebody, Harinamananda, two hour conversation before this very point, two days ago, it's fresh in my mind, but I'm not, I don't have time. I don't have two hours, I have 20 minutes left, so I can't do that. But uh, very interesting. But, anyway, uh, uh, but in the Chandi, as, a, as Sadhana Shastra, it's reversed. It goes, uh, uh, so it's mentioned, uh, Bij Mantras is from creation to expression. Saraswati, Lakshmi, Kali, from gross. I mean, from subtle to manifest to gross, right? But as but the order of the deities presented first Kali, then Lakshmi, and Saraswati is the reverse. That's the realm of sadhana. And so Swami Chidananda in that book you mentioned in the beginning we invoke Kali, right? Durga as in a certain sense a fierce, transformative, the destructive aspect, right? We need we need to because you need to wake up. We need to let go. Of, there's Swami Shivananda has a book. Uh, least, uh, how to eradicate vices and uh, what is it? Uh, uh, develop virtues and eradicate vices. It's not. It's a painful book. Nobody. I don't like to read it. I wouldn't suggest it to anybody. <laughs> but he defines spiritual life as the eradication of vices and the development of virtue. That's the first step, right. right? We have to over. There's stuff we have to overcome. We're in ignorance, right? We're we're materialistic thinking. We have bad habits and addictions, and like those things have to go. I mean, there's no there's no two ways around it, right? And so even before beginning spiritual life, you have to go. You have to struggle with the most tamasic aspects of our personality and our habits and behaviors and thinking and worldviews, those things have to, so we invoke the breaking Shakti, Kali and Durga, right, as, as the beginning of sadhana, right, and then we invoke Lakshmi, Lakshmi in the material world becomes money and wealth and happiness, the things that sustain us, but in the spiritual world becomes sadhana Shakti, we invoke her to sustain our sadhana, our years of sadhana, we need Lakshmi to sustain it, right? The transformative work of, slow, of doing the more careful um, uh, purification of the heart and the mind and consciousness and body. That's that sadhana, manashuddhi. All sadhana is manashuddhi, Thakur said. Some, uh, our Guruji, some woman, actually, Shankaracharya says it. It's ultimately manashuddhi. Even he says that all purpose of all sadhana is 
is the purification of the mind. Right. And then the final the is Saraswati Rama Saraswati where the mind becomes extremely refined, represented by Saraswati. Right? She's white. She wears white, she has a crystal ball, she holds a Veda, she has a um a Veena, so it's classical music, scriptural knowledge, refined mantras, everything at its most pure, right? So this is a, this so this is the stage to reversing as the as a as creation goes from the from from the from the um, unmanifested into manifestation, sadhana is a way of going lost in manifestation back to the source, right? So this is why these these uh, interesting the month the beach mantras and the dhyan slokas don't match. So first, it starts to say interesting mantra, dhyan sloka on kali, holding sword, disc, mace, arrow, bow, club, spear, sling, human head, and conch in your ten arms. <laughs> With three eyes, adorned with limbs, shining like a blue jewel, and having ten faces, we worship you, great mother Kali, who, who the lotus-born Brahma prays for the destruction of the demons Madhu and Kaitaba. So here's Kali, who is the one that Brahma prayed to, to kill Madhu and Kaitaba. That brings us to the first story. Right? Even though her name's never mentioned, but she's, she's mentioned in this first story as Yoga Nidra. Right, so we have to think who she, how she's going to be. Om Namas Chandi Kaye, we bow to you, Mother Chandi. Om Aim Saraswati, Markandeya Vacha. Markandeya is the Rishi. Savarni, the son of Lord Surya, became the eighth Manu. Please listen as I explain details of his birth. By the grace of Goddess Mahamaya, the son of Lord Surya became the Lord of the eighth Manbantara. Of this subject, I will speak. Right, so this is actually comes from how did Suvarni become that's the other thing is how did the real question is not who the divine mother is. Tell me about the mother. In uh, in the many thousands of verses in the Markandeya Purana, one of the things that makes a Purana is the lineage of kings and the lineages of Manus. There's like six topics. I forget them I should know them, but there are six topics that make a bug that makes a Purana. Mm-hmm. One of which is the lineage of kings mm-hmm. and the lineage of and, and the list of Manus. These are two requirements, right? Uh, so you have to list who are the Manus. There's Manvant. There, there's the creation cycles. Lord Brahma lives for an inconceivably long period of time, and within his day, within his life, there's is, his life is separated into fourteen sections called Manvantars. Each Manvantara is presided over a presiding person, right? A, a Manu, right? We get the word man from this word. It's the same word, you know. And so, on a certain day, we can maybe think of him like an Adam or something, like a first man or proto man or it's it's it, 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 not important for this thing, but the next at present the Manu is Suvarni. In case you're wondering, right? How did Suvarni? And he is the son of. This just this just froze. Oh. Is it a phone call or something? No. Thank you. This is too esoteric. I shouldn't be talking. Talk. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't speak. <laughs> Cast it on so everybody has chant Hare Krishna. Everybody <laughs> should talk to things. We can start again if we want. Should I share one? Yeah, you can put share and, and then we'll do part two. I'll, I'll, I'll label it later. We can get it going. Technical difficulties and there you go. I got to verse one. <laughs> We're doing great. <laughs> this is live video, yes. 
You don't have to put any texture in there. Sorry, it's in a weird... Yeah. Okay. Are you in touch? Not quite action. We good? Okay. Picking up where we left off. Part two. <laughs> verse two. Literally, verse two. Um, uh, so, how did Subhadra become Manu? Actually, Subhadra, the son of the sun god, became Manu. Of this, I'm So, the question is, how did he become Manu? So, I'll tell you how he became Manu. There's a story, right? Before, in his previous life, before he was Manu, he was a, a merchant, he was a king, Kamsurata. So, then you, that, we, that brings us into our, our, um, our, um, our uh, frame story, right? How did, how did, how does, how did, how did Sudatta become Manu? Is that not working? Sideways. Uh-oh. You have to... If you give me it all... all. If you give it to me, I'll fix it. You stop it and I'll start again. You have to make sure that when the... Yeah, before starting... It doesn't even look like it's... The original one isn't even recorded. The first part. The first part, sir? Yeah. Okay. Okay, first I have to go back to. Publish. Live video. Beautiful devotees. Okay, I think I'll be right. I look mostly right. Thank you. Are you probably plugging the uh, thingy again? We're good. Anyways, this Facebook Live has been good for the most part. It's worked pretty good. Occasional glitches. So how did Subarni become Manu? In ancient times, there lived a king named Surata, born of the Chaitra dynasty. He protected his subjects like they were his own children. At that time, kings renowned as the destroyers of the Kolas became his enemies. This wielder of powerful weapons fought these destroyers of the Kolas and was defeated by them, although their force, forces were smaller than his. He then returned to his own city, relinquishing his sovereignty over the earth, and continued to rule over his own land. There too the king was attacked by, those power, by these powerful enemies. Even in his own city, the king now bereft of strength, was robbed of his army and treasury by his own powerful and wicked ministers. Deprived of his sovereignty, the king fled alone into the dense forest on horseback on the pretext of hunting. This is the opening scene. 
So we have to think of who these, this character is. The first character presented is Surata. And the thing about the Chandi, sometimes, you know, we can give, we can assign symbolic correspondences to different characters. Uh, we say, oh, you know, the um, Putna in, in the Krishna Lila, that represents a false guru. And, and, um, and uh, you know, there's all these, there, and the different, you know, and there's a reason for it. Ancient re- yogis have made this statement, but it's not obviously how Putna is false guru, right? She is a false guru, but she's, but how she, it's not obvious, right? In the Chandi, I mean, there may be a false guru named whose name translates as false guru. You know, sometimes the mean, the, the meaning is, is, is obvious. It's not always, we're not stretching that far. So similarly with the, with the main characters of Surata, Medas, and Samadhi, their words have very, their names have very clear meanings. That the, we don't have to, it was not a huge stretch. We don't have to defend ourselves uh, uh, for our weird interpretation and assigning of meaning, right? So Surata means, Su means good, Rata means cart, like Rata Yatra, the cart festival, same type of thing, Rat, right? So Surata, good cart. So Su, good, and he's a king. And so Surata has been interpreted to be mean, meaning um, how, you're be, how you act in this world, right? And so Surata, good action, another way of saying good action in the ancient world is, is to say Dharma. Dharma is righteous activity, righteous behavior, according to Varna and Ashram and, and nobility and, and religion like that. So, Surata, so Dharma can be interpreted as the ex, the external goal of religion one of the, its religion is it's one of the per, one of the goals the functions and, and goals of religion is to do your duty properly to live your dharma and your own dharma your caste dharma your your varna dharma everything to, to live properly right righteously uh, in a way that you that you benefit others and you yourself benefit so sudatta and he's a king and so like i said there's a lot in this if you analyze this this opening par- sentence of the body is that he, um, he protected the subject that were his own children. There's a, there's a way of interpreting, I'm not going to do that right now, but I'm just giving you a hint. There's a way of interpreting that sentence, every word in that sentence, to refer to life in the human body. So Tsurata is not just the Dharma of a king living his Dharma. It's everyone living their Dharma, whatever their Dharma is. We all are Tsuratas, right? But what happens? He gets attacked, right? He gets attacked by an inferior force, and the inferior army wins. That's the situation, right? And so when he so then he withdraws to his own kingdom. He just runs his own kingdom, right? He lost. He was an emperor at one time. He lost control of, of, of the other other enemies, weak enemies, smaller enemies, smaller armies, right? But they win. And then even at home, he loses the. There's he loses his control of his of his kingdom, of his castle, of his family, his his. Uh, uh, so it's. Uh, so if Surata doesn't just mean an ancient king, it means everyone, it means us, right? What's the situation he finds himself in? He's, he loses his own sovereignty. And this is one of the themes of all the stories of Mahishasura and Marudini and all the other stories that are there, of, of, of Indra losing his sovereignty, the gods losing their sovereignty. So, the, so the, when you start to give, oh, let me tell you a far out philosophical, theological, mystical, religious story about the gods losing their authority. But the real thing is we lose our authority. We lose our sovereignty, right? To small, smaller armies. This is important, right? He, their forces are smaller, right? It's embarrassing. And you can see usually, I don't know, I'm not going to project my own experiences on you, but 
but I, I usually things we I lose my sovereignty to are not like big. I mean, there could be governments that force their will on us. We can be attacked by enemies. We can be broken into and tied up by by by. Th I mean, that can happen, and that happens, right? It's horrible if it happens, right? Right. But usually, it's like it's I don't know, just like you know, it's like anger and pride and and. and uh, misunderstanding and some small thing that completely rips everything apart you lose your position right small things if that if we that I, i'm talking very general because if you speak specifically it becomes embarrassing and he's embarrassed he's embarrassed by the fact that he he was a universal monarch right and a small insignificant army wins right very very interesting right uh, uh and it, the the point the, the verse points out although weaker and smaller the army wins wins him so he goes. So he goes into. So he goes under the pretext of hunting. I'm going to the forest, right? He lost his power in his in, in, in his home. He's he's embarrassed. I'm gonna go clear my head, right? You know, you can do it like that. You know, it's like sometimes in the middle when when I lose my sovereignty in my little mini kingdom of my of my day, like I gotta go for a walk or like go to my room or something. Just kind of like clear. You're trying to figure things out, right? So uh, uh, he saw the hermitage of the greatest of the twice born, the sage Medas, where ferocious animals were living together in peace. With the, with the sage and his many disciples. So now we have a second character, Medas. So what is it? So we don't have to guess what Medas has a direct meaning. Surata, we gave a little bit of a jump, although the meaning is clear. Medas means intelligence, means subtle spiritual intelligence, subtle thinking, subtle intelligence. It's a, Medas is, a, um, is the subtlest form of knowledge that Saraswati had her most refined is Medas, right? The ability to understand scriptures. The, the ability to understand, you know, you can be smart and be educated, right, and intellectual and go to school and get degrees, but not understand a single verse of the Gita. It requires a different type of intelligence to understand the scriptures. It's, that intelligence is made us, not, not logic and training, you know. And so we always mention every year that, that the, uh, like the Gayatri Mantra is a prayer for made us, mm -hmm. right? Uh, right? When you illuminate my mind, Make my mind bring that to to bring light to the mind so I can understand properly, right? That prayer for light is this is this is the the, the object, the given object as per the Shastra that the Gayatri Mantra for instance. You're praying for illumination. So Medas is that higher spiritual intuitive knowledge. Now an ancient story of a king lost his kingdom, went to the forest, met a sage. That king, if 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 that king is us, we lose we lose our kingdom to some stupid little thing. We go into solitude, try to figure it out, right? Who has made us? Made us is our own subtle spiritual. And it's the guru externally, it's a guru. The guru can be made us, right? But actually you, the gurus are more like, stop it, whack, you know? <laughs> Not like subtle intelligence. You know, the, the, uh, 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 the guru may set things up for that, that we, we have to discover. We can't, we can't be told to us. Something has to be discovered through our own refined intelligence, through the result of sadhana, right? So made us is that, still small voice or however you want to think of the voice of intuition we have you know on on big so i i've, I've told the story but one time at our ashram little kids one kid some candy came and he ate the sweets and didn't share it was his the, the guru buys right and the other came to play and he started a big fight and started hitting each other and it pretty didn't take long before they throwing bricks at each other you know small kids you know <laughs> yeah and then they all come from Guruji and expecting to be he's, he's gonna definitely gonna beat them you know, who knows what's gonna happen like then he asked him what you do and, and, and you know, he, he the sweets came and he ate them all he didn't share so he said okay now close your eyes and think 
with sweets were to come into the ashram, should you eat them by yourself, or do you think you should share them with your brother disciples? You know, it's very interesting. I was watching. You know, Ten years ago, he would have just slapped him, stop that. You know, like, but the guru also evolves his technique over the years. The disciples evolve into the guru's disciples. I've never been physically slapped, but I got to go to good slaps also. They would survive to my benefit also. Now it's more subtle. Ask you, you think you did right on that one? No. You know, so, but yeah, I remember he swat, watching this little boy do this, sitting there like this. And he goes, no, no, I think I should have shared it. I mean, it's like, of course, he was said he's only one answer to give that. But that really, if you ask, you don't have to like be told what's good. If you ask yourself, you know, what's, you know the big stuff is, but even the subtle stuff, if you ask yourself, right? It may take a little while. It may take years of, of asking. <laughs> Right? But the answer, we have the answer. Right? We don't mention this term put, put on bed before. The ancient knowledge is already within us. That's Medus. Right? That, uh, so, we have, so he finds himself in the forest of Medus, the, the ashram of Medus, the greatest of the twice born. This is the Dvija. So it's interesting. So just like we, we, we have, uh, so we have Medus, who's a, a Rishi, a Brahmin. And we have uh, um, uh, Surata, who's a Kshatriya. Right, so we're also it's everything. Like I said, it's everything so packed. Everything is everything in the Chandi, right? We have a new character coming, who is a who's a uh, who's a, um, a Vaisha. He's a business merchant, right? He saw there the hermitage of the greater the twice born, the sage Medas, where ferocious animals were living together in peace, with the sage and his many disciples. This is an interesting line. We have a verse like this in the Bible, where these where the Lion lays down with the lamb, right? This is the result. This is mentioned in the Yoga Sutta. Every yama and niyama has a siddhi, right? A, a benefit when it's practiced perfectly. And it says when ahimsa is practiced perfectly, that it says that, that ferocious animals who are enemies of each other will not be enemies. In other words, violence can't be done in the presence of a nonviolent person. Normally we think a nonviolent person doesn't commit violence. But the actual the city of a nonviolent person is somebody to which there can be no violence in their presence, right? You know we have and there's examples of great you know the very presence of a nonviolent person can bring you know there's a little bit dramatic in stories like in the in the story of Gandhi there's riots and he shows he shows up sits in the middle of the riots and slowly of course there's all kinds of political things reasons how he how he was able to accomplish it but he was able to stop his presence was able to stop riots. Now, you know, uh, uh, this is one way of, way of uh, seeing like that in his presence, even wild animals are, are, uh, are, are living together. So this is one of the quali qualities of Medus also, that you should be, not only external sage should be nonviolent and in his presence nonviolent, but the part of us that has no duality, to which there is no, there is no, um, the, the Medus within us, has, is, that's one of the qualities, right? There's... Uh, Respectfully welcomed by the sage, King Sudatta spent time wandering about the great sage's hermitage. Overcome with attachment, he began to think, The city which my ancestors guarded I have now left. Are the wicked servants righteously guarding my city in my absence? So are my wicked servants, the ones who cheated on me and went to the other king, are they guarding things properly? Are they behaving properly? What a strange thing to ask when you've been kicked out of your kingdom and been, right, you know. <laughs> what enjoyment will my royal elephant, heroic and always happy, receive at the hands of my enemies? He's, now he's worried about his elephant. How, they, how is he being treated? Are, are my enemies treating him being fed nicely? I gave him very nice things, right? My constant followers who receive favor and wealth from me are now serving other kings. The treasure which I gathered with great care are being wasted on those who are addicted to improper spending. He's worried about his bank balance. That's no longer his. As the king sunk, sunk deeper into contemplation, 
contemplating the loss of wealth as the present situation, his mind became absorbed in the pain caused by attachment. That's the chintamasa paritittavaha. That the, the pain, the cause of his pain was his attachment. He no longer had the kingdom. Really, he's still suffering. Of course, you can suffer. I, I lost my kingdom, but it's different. He's like, he's still, he's, re, he's realizing this to be the case. Near the hermitage, the sage saw a merchant. After greeting him, he asked, Who are you? Why have you come here? Why do you appear to be in great sorrow? Hearing the question of the king, spoken in the spirit of friendship, the merchant replied to the king. We'll only get, I think, only to the frame story. We'll never get to the main story. Maybe that will be next Sunday's, next Saturday's talk. The merchant said, said Samadhir Nam Vaisho. I, my name is Samadhi. So we don't have to, once again, oh, Swami's giving me some weird interpretation about Samadhi. His name. No. <laughs> Samadhi means Samadhi. Samadhi means a unitive, uh, mystic, uh, religious, uh, um, yogic state of, of, of union, unitive experience, uh, peak unitive experience with, with the divine, with the self, the soul, or God, according to the school of thought. Right? He, my name is Samadhi. I am a merchant born in a wealthy family. Right? My sons and wife, because of their greed for wealth, have cast me out. I've been kicked out by my family. My sons and my wife have kicked me out. They're like, they're, what does that mean? The most dear. Right? The thing that, the, the, the thing that we, we count on, we expect the um, you know, Sri Ramakrishna is described like the, living in a household is like is like fighting a battle within a fort, right? At least their family are the one that are on your side. The family itself rejected him and cheated him and kicked him out, right? My wife and sons have stolen my riches and deprived me of my wealth. Cast out of my own fa- family, I I have come to this forest grief stricken. I do not know if my children are happy or unhappy. I am unaware of the actions of my sons, family, or wife. Are they presently happy or unhappy? Are my sons living good or evil lives? So he's also thinking, they've, they've kicked me out. They, they betrayed me in the most painful possible way. But I'm thinking, are, 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 they, are, they, are they living good lives? Are they living moral lives? It's a great, strange thing. Are they, are they, are they growing up to be good men? You know, it's a weird thing to say to somebody who's not a good man. You know, the, the son who, who kicked them out, right? So, so he's attached, again, just like the, 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 the king, he's attached to the very things that cause his suffering. This is the problem that's being set up. Rajuvacha, the king said, You have been cast out by your wife and sons. Why is your mind so attached to them? That's a good question. Right? In the, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the Mahabharata scene set up to the Bhagavad Gita, what led to the battle? Arjuna, when he sees his family, he thinks, Oh, I can't, these people are dear to me. He's attached to them, right? And you think, oh, it's better to die than, than, than to fight such... It's for them that I want to enjoy my life. The kingdom I want is for them. We forget that a few chapters beforehand, we have to stand their life. What happened? They stole the kingdom. They, since childhood, they've been uh, sabotaging them and competing against them. They stole the kingdom through, uh, uh, by, a, uh, by, cheating and, uh, by cheating and gambling. They tried to publicly disrobe and rape their wife. Right? They exiled them. Right? They, by that time, three or four times tried to kill them, burn down their house. I mean, murder thing after murder thing. Exiled them all these lives. Right? And then Krishna tried to bring them together to bring some sort of peace. Right? They're like, oh, you, you, you take this. But, but it says, we won't, Arjuna and Yudhisthira saying, we won't challenge your kingdom. Just give us a small, our own little section. We'll, we'll, we'll raise our family. 
we will not give you, he says, not even the amount of land on one pin, uh, uh, one pinhead worth of land, right? Those people, you're thinking, oh, but I, it's for them that I want to enjoy, right? The thing is that this is a similar type of setup, I think, as the Gita, attached to the very things that are only called, they're not, they're, 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 not, they're not worthy of being attached to, right? This is the question. The merchant said, as you were speaking, I am too thinking the same thing. But what can I do? My mind go, does not become hard towards them, but rather still hold a deep affection for those who have driven me out in their greed for wealth, abandoning the love of father, master, and family. Although I understand all this, no, O noble-hearted king, how is it that my mind still loves even these character, characterless persons, relations? It's because of their actions, their actions that I have, I'm sighing in despair and depression. But what can I do when my mind does not become hard to even those who have no love for me? That's a very now. Of course, this is told in the, in the dramatic circle. Back to who samadhi, who who um, if we're samadhi and we're made us um, uh, and uh, um, uh, surata, you know, we can think the very things that are causing our suffering. What you know? How can we? How can, what we do? Our mind still goes to the very things that cause the suffering. The mind still goes to, is still attached to. One thing I forgot to mention: if 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 surata means dharma, and samadhi is union, right? These would be we could say the two goals of religion: the external goal, the exter- and the internal goal, mm-hmm. right? So two and uh, two ways of thinking of religion. People want to be live a divine life manifested in this world, satisfying, you know, the dharma, artha, kama, and some want moksha. You know, there's two different, not only two goals, like internal and external uh, orientations towards religion, but also two different goals of religion, right? Some people, there's not just one goal of religion, there's many goals of religion. They can broadly classify it as dharma and, 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 and samadhi, right? Uh, or jnana-khand, karma-khand, something like that. You could also think of it this way. <coughs> Then, O Brahmana, the merchant Samadhi, along with the noble king, approached the sage Medas, and after showing him respect due to him, sat down and engaged him in conversation. The king said, Being united with the Supreme Lord, I wish to ask you one question. Be pleased to reply. My mind, so this is the question we should all, we should all, we all go to our gurus and say this, and we all go to our own deepest mind and say this is the very same thing. My, O Bhajananda, my mind is uncontrolled and afflicted with sorrow. Although I have lost my kingdom, I am still attached to the paraphernalia of kingdom. Although I understand this, I still feel pain like one who is ignorant. O oh, great sage, why is this? And this merchant has been cast out by his children, wife, and servants, forsaken by his own people, but he still feels the greatest affection for them. Thus both of us are feeling great pain. Knowing full well the defects of our objects of our attachment, still our minds are drawn into affection. What is it? O great soul, that causes this ignorance even when we have this understanding. This is the big question that these three stories are going to unfold. Both and he, he and I are fools without the capacity for discrimination. mundata. The sage said, so he gives a, he, he doesn't, I'm, I'm going to read quickly, he gives an a, a example of what's going on in the world, and then he gives the punchline, the reason. He's going to read. Each one of these we can unfold. I'm not going to, we're out of time already. 
All that lives has knowledge from the perception of sense objects. Sense objects are perceived differently by different beings. Some beings can see during the day and others see during the night. Others see well both day and night. Human beings have the capacity for knowledge, but they are not the only ones. This knowledge is common to all animals as well, such as cattle, birds, and other creatures. The knowledge of humans have, birds and beasts also have. In this respect, the two are alike. Take birds, for example. Although they have knowledge, they are busy putting food into the mouth of their children. Human beings are attached to their children out of expectation for reciprocal help and their need. Can you not see their selfish desire? Even so, humans are hurled into the whirlpool of attachment and the pit of delusion. Oh, this, is where, this is where the verse comes. So it's a weird, what he's saying, like the all, it's not just you, only, even birds are like this. Right? You know, it's like uh, all animals, I mean, we get knowledge of the senses, with that knowledge we try to make we, we, we serve our family, but we expect something from our family. You see, our parents serve our children, children selfless, selflessly, but they, there's not without expectation. There's some, some expectation. Children take care of their parents with some expectation. You know, even the most selfless things, you know, it's just like, it, it is true, not just humans, everybody. So it, it's a complicated description, but just describing life as it is. That we're no diff, humans are no different than any, this is the way nature is. Then it says, um, uh, Mahamaya Haris Chaisya Taya Samhoyate Jagat. I'm sorry, no. Um, even so, humans are hurled into the whirlpool of attachment and the pit through the delusion through the power of Mahamaya. So here, Mahamaya is mentioned. It's only mentioned one time, the whole chanti. This is where it's mentioned, right? So, but it's this whole thing is due to the power of Mahamaya. That means the chandi, although it's describing how Subhadra became Manu, it's really describing how we are deluded. Right? What's the cause of our delusion? And the answer is Mahamaya. Therefore, the next six hundred something verses, six hundred and where it's verse uh, fifty-six, six hundred and forty forty-four verses is describing Mahamaya, right? That's also, uh, and this is called Devi, Devi Mahatmyam, so Mahamaya is going to be Devi, right? Uh, she, uh, who, even so, humans are hurled into the whirlpool of attachment, the pit of delusion through the power of Mahamaya, who is the cause of this world. Marvel not at this. She put even, she even put into yoga nidra, sleep of divine union, the lord of the universe, Jagannath. This is the name for Vishnu. This is where Vishnu is sleeping on the causal ocean. You word is Jagannath. He put Jagannath itself, the Lord of everything, and even he's asleep. Not just you, not just birds, not just me. Even Vishnu is asleep. Right? She, Mahamaya, here called Yoganidra, right, has put everything to sleep. Right. She is the goddess Bhagavati. For she, the goddess Bhagavati, forcibly draws the minds of even the wise and throws them into the into delusion. She creates this entire universe made of both moving and unmoving beings. And it is she who, when pleased, gives the boon of final liberation. She is the giver of wisdom, liberation, and eternal existence. She is the cause of our bondage to the world of birth and death and the controller of all there is. This is a very good definition, right? She is the cause of, she is the cause of our... She throws everything into delusion and, when pleased, she gives liberation. She's knowledge and ignorance. She's bondage and liberation. So then it becomes how to please her, right? You know, and it's not just oh we have to make a sacrifice or or bring you know 
apples, you know, uh, to please her. We should bring apples and make sacrifices and bring flowers to her, right? But actually, throughout the Chandi and all the stories, we're not going to get to any of the stories. I have to give you the, the cliff notes. Um, they, they forget her and they become an illusion. They remember her and their suffering ends, right? So that how to please her is to notice her, right? That she's the, she's the doer. She's doing everything, good, bad, everything, right? And we suffer only when we forget her. And by remembering her, we, 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 uh, we become free. So Sri Ramakrishna has this, he used the same term, he uses this uh, in his teachings, you see, uh, Vijamaya and Avijamaya. Right? Vijamaya is, is, the, is Maya as the one who gives freedom, knowledge, and wisdom. And Avijamaya is the power of ignorance. And so he'd pray to Vijamaya, Ma, don't delude me by thy Avijamaya, by world, thy, you know. And M, the way he rephrases it, in his own conversations, Thakur was always praying, Ma, don't let me forget you. That was his definition. That's his way of saying. By remembering her, like for instance, one of the, th- let's see, I'm going to, a few more verses, then we'll, we'll give the, 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 the philosophical punch, and then we'll, we'll tell the next story next week. We're going a little bit, this is part of our puja. So, how did, you, so, uh, um, She's a controller, she's liberation, she is the cause of our bondage to, to the world of birth and death and the controller of over all that is. The king asks, Blessed Lord, who is this goddess Mahamaya of whom, of whom you speak? What is her, what is her uh, origin story, as they always say? How did she come to being and what are her actions? Oh, twice born, what is her nature? What is her form? Where did she come from? What is her nature? What is her form? Where did she come from? This is very interesting questions. All this I wish to hear from you, who are the supreme among the knowers of Brahman, the Rishu of Acha. I'm just going to read this one verse, and it will end uh, 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 mostly there. Niyaiva, uh, she is eternal. So who is she? She is. So you say she's eternal. Oh, I mean, she's, she means she doesn't die, or she's. You know, that's not good here. It means eternal here means she's the unchanging, beyond time. She's the supreme unchanging reality, right? The unchanging reality, right? Jagan um, Murti. The jagat, the jag, the, the jagat of Jagannath, right? The the world is her form. That's interesting. She's the unchanging world. She's the unchanging. And the and jagat means changing. The world, the name for the world, jagat means the yeah, jagat means that which moves. So this whole vibrating world is her form. She is the unchanging and the changing. That's a way of saying that. That's her. This is the big, the big revelation, right? Taya sarvam idam She pervades everything. All this. That's, this is like, a, if you were to give the philosophy of the Chandi, this is the philosophy of the Chandi. She is the eternal. This univ- the, 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 the moving, manifested world is her form, and she pervades everything. That's her answer. That's actually, you think of it, this is, this is the essence. You see, this is not just a regular text in one verse, and not even half, this is literally half a fourth of a verse. It's a fourth of a. Of a, of a, of a, of a um, uh, and then she goes, she manifests, and she tells stories of what does she do, and, and she tells the stories of, of, of the three, the, how she kills certain demons, and like that, she, she, to illustrate how this works. She'll tell the, the mythic tales, the, the cycle of stories. 
So, so this is interesting. This is um, she's Maya, of course. Okay, you can say well, what cause? We could say if you could, you can go to almost anybody of any school of thought, right? Including non-Hindu schools of thought. Says what's the cause of our suffering? Or they some version of you're in Maya. It's Maya, right? Maya could be sin, could be illusion. You're 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 in ignorance, or you know, there's all kinds of descriptions of what Maya is. Maya doesn't have a single definition, right? Here, Maya is being. Maya, what is Maya? I'll tell you what Maya. Maya is the eternal, Brahman, right? The manifested world, and then per, and pervades everything, right? So this is not. There's some views that Maya simply doesn't exist. We're we're, mis, we're misreading of reality. No, no. This reality is does exist, but it's her, right? What about the supreme? That does exist. It is a supreme reality, but it's her, right? Where is she? She's. And so then this whole story of the sleeping, I mean, the, 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 the stories that are told are going to be illustrating how she, how the, what's the, there's official VOD term for this. Uh, like, yeah, Maya VOD, there's, um, it's the, um, Kintantra, Parinama, Parinama VOD. Parinama, there, there, there's your official uh, philosophical term of Tantra. Parinama, I think that's right, right? Parinama, I think it's Parinama VOD, which means that everything that the, the, the Supreme has, exists as everything that the cause the effect is the cause right this is the that the, the, it's the uh, how the one has emanated everything become everything that's the teaching of tantra in a certain sense the teaching of shaktism and different different teachings of, of the um of the uh, chandi uh, the rest of the stories will be now describing how this happens and we've uh, so next next uh, i think the next time we'll get a chance to speak is next saturday and so we'll uh, pick up from here, and and because here it quickly it starts telling the story of of of, of um, Madhu and Kaitaba. I go my notes. I only have a few notes, and they're only about Madhu and Kaitaba's yeah. name. So I didn't even get to my little notes here. Anyway, thank you for your patience and your kind attention. And this is a, a the the recitation, explanation, hearing, uh, the chandi is itself puja. The scripture says like that, that, uh, that this is, we, we, are, we are offering our worship to the Divine Mother through our words, and you're also worshiped your worship to the Divine Mother through attention, right, and understanding. This is, this is, maybe remembering her removes our suffering, forgetting her is the cause of our suffering. So at least on these days, we make a sincere effort, redoubled effort and, uh, to remember her, uh, and, and prayer is that we never forget her, even after these nine days are done. Adiyom Tatsap Daiguru. Knew that I'd ask for questions, but we're late, so I have to. Heck, we're not super late. Any, 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 are there any questions? We're three minutes late. It's not so bad. I give you three minutes. You get two minutes of questions. Any questions, comments? Okay, good then. Adiyom Tatsap. Lots of good stuff. A lot of offerings from all. So please, if we could move up and clear some room. <laughs> yeah.